I'm Jennifer Palmer, I'm the host of Online for Authors. Welcome to the Online for Authors podcast. Online for Authors has come under the management of Visibility Pod. Visibility Pod manages the podcast as well as all of the guest and host booking and communication to get the episodes scheduled, up and running, and posted on to various platforms as well as creating all of our wonderful content. I'm currently a visibility strategist with Visibility Pod and offer coaching. Some coaching is offered via live visibility strategy sessions. Take those in and see if working with Visibility Pod, me as a strategist, is a fit for you. Email visibilitypodcasts at gmail.com. Jennifer with Online for Authors, and I am getting ready to meet Rick Blyweiss. Rick is an author, publishing executive, former music industry executive with BMG Music and more, and Grammy-nominated record producer. He started his career in music as a rock performer, producer of over 50 records, songwriter and record company senior executive in New York City. He worked with the music industry legends including Clive Davis, Melissa Etheridge, the Backstreet Boys, Kiss U2, Whitney Houston, the Bee Gees, and many others. He also marketed the movie soundtracks for three Star Wars movies, Saturday Night Fever, This is Spinal Tap and more. Since 2006, as a publishing company executive, he has acquired works by best-selling and award-winning authors, including Rex Pickett, Sideways, James Clavel, Shogun, PC Cast, House of Night, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, 1982 Nobel Prize in Literature, Leon Uris, Exodus, Natasha Boyd, The Indigo Girl, Andrews and Wilson, Tier 1, Nicholas Sansbury Smith, Hell Divers, among others. Rick was born, raised, and worked in New York area and now lives in Ashland, Oregon. His latest creative endeavor is the launch of his much anticipated mystery novel, Pinion Scorpion and the Barbershop Detectives, the Pinion Scorpion series. The new book was just selected as one of Amazon editors' picks for best mystery, thriller, and suspense, as well as one of the best new debut mystery novels by Publishers Weekly and the Buzz Book of the Pacific Northwest Booksellers Association. Pinion Scorpion is a French name. He was born in Paris, and his mom grew up in Pinion, Haiti, which is a French colony. The year is 1910. And in the small and seemingly sleepy English municipality of Hexford, there's a new chief police inspector. At first, the dapper and unflappable Pinion Scorpion strikes something of an odd figure among the local who don't see a need for such an exacting investigator. But it isn't long before Hexford finds itself very much in need of a detective. Luckily, Scorpion and the local barber are old acquaintances, and the barbershop employs a cast of memorable characters who, together with an aspiring young ace reporter for the local morning news, are nothing less than enthralled by the enigmatic new chief police inspector. Investigating a trio of crimes whose origins span three continents and half a century, Pinion Scorpions and his tonsorial sleuths interview a parade of interested parties. But with every apparent clue, new surprises come to light. And just as it seems nothing can derail Scorpions' cool head and almost unearing nose for deduction in walks, Thelma Smith, dazzling, whip-smart, and newly single, has 
Pinion Scorpion finally met his match to provide pure entertainment and a few hours of escapism. From many stresses of the world today, fans will be delighted by the author's lighter approach to whodunit storytelling. Readers love Police Chief Inspector Pinion Scorpion's style, teamwork approach, and un expected twists while solving three main crimes described broadly as the fortune seeker murder at the circus and crimes of passion for fans of sherlock holmes and agatha christie's hercule perot author rick blyweiss's historical mystery series blending his love of the past with the twisty deliciousness of whodunit as fun facts and a quirky new detective and ensemble cast of characters set against the backdrop of small-town England in 1910s will feel both comfortingly familiar and thrillingly new. The banging on the front door was so thunderous and insistent to Cora Gromley, it felt as though the furnace might soon explode. The stately English country house's cavernous, bare-walled rooms seemed to amplify the constant barrage of resounding thuds and booms, even though she was in the kitchen on the other side of the house. The ruckus stopped Cora from serving her husband Mortimer's lunch, which she and the cook had only just prepared. She turned to the cook. Nellie, what is that ghastly pounding? Has something happened to our furnace? Nellie replied, no, ma'am. Methinks there's someone at the door. Rick, thanks for joining the Online for Authors podcast. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm here in Southern Oregon. It's a beautiful, sunny, chilly day. Blackstone, my publisher, their publicist just sent me through a phenomenal review that the Midwest Book Review published on my book, Pinion Scorpion, The Barbershop Detective. So I'm flying high. Fantastic. Well, I understand your book. It's out and it's a new series. 77 years old. They told me you're 77 years old. I am indeed. Yep. And this is your first book series. <laughs> yeah, I've written something during the majority of my life. I mean, when I was 12 years old, I wrote and published a sports newspaper and I distributed the four carbon copies to our neighbors. And then I wrote a play and I was in film school and I wrote scripts for the student films. And then I've written magazine and newspaper articles my whole life, but I've never written a book before. And this is my first published book at 77. It, you know, I, I've just always believed, I've always gone for things and I've always loved chasing rainbows. I hope I'm not talking too much. No, um, yeah, that's what we're here for. <laughs> I, I've always chased the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And I've always felt that the, the chase was as much fun as finding the pot of gold. Sometimes I found it, sometimes I didn't, but I loved the chase. And I always figured that no matter how old you are, you shouldn't abandon your dreams and keep going and trying new things. That's fantastic and extremely inspirational. And so to to do a fiction book series, a detective mystery, somewhat like uh, Sherlock Holmes and Agatha Christie, as your first endeavor in fiction writing? <laughs> yes. Wow. It, it's my first endeavor in novel-length fiction writing. What actually happened was I had never written fiction before. I had only written like nonfiction stories for magazines and newspapers. And then when I moved from New York City 
to Ashland, Oregon in 2003, my next door neighbor was in a writing group. She and I became friends and she, I told her I had written some magazine, newspaper things. She said, well, why don't you come and join the group? And I started writing short stories and with that group, it was great getting their critiques and, you know, they, they helped me find and improve my craft, if you will. And one of the short stories I wrote was the very first story that appears in the Pinon Scorpion book. And they loved it so much. They said, this can't be a short story. This needs to be a novel. And they really gave me the encouragement and the impetus to make it a book. And so I expanded what was a short story into a full book. Fantastic. Well, you've done way more than that. You're doing this book launch and you've created actually a theme song. Yeah. Well, as you can see from the wall behind me, uh, I spent uh, the majority of my career in New York, which was the majority of my career in the music industry. I was a performer. I was a record producer and I was a record company executive. And so I... um, I still write and record music mostly for myself. I have some guitars and keyboards here in my house. And I just thought it'd be kind of cool to have a theme song for Pinon Scorpion. So I wrote and recorded it and it'll be on the audio book. I also had a Pinon Scorpion video game created. It's in the Apple and Google Play app stores. And so this theme song is in in that, in the app as well. So I just, I I like to have fun with things, you know? I, 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 so it's all part of what I'd call enjoyment. Well, you know, you're a fantastic inspiration on how to take those skills that you've learned from previous endeavors and bring them over into what you're doing now. Because you said there's a lot that goes on in both the audio book, book marketing, as well as music producing and publishing industries that are similar with regards to creating products and marketing and promoting them. Oh, a- absolutely. And, you know, in in my career in the music industry, especially when I was in marketing and sales and promotion, I, I worked on a lot of very successful projects, big hit acts and huge movie soundtracks. I learned from and created and was part of campaigns to launch things like Star Wars and this is Spinal Tap and Bodyguard and Flash Dance Saturday Night Fever, the Backstreet Boys, and many other acts. And most of them we had multimedia components to. And so I just took what I knew and said, let's do it to a book. They all had merchandising items and they they all had, you know, obviously music and video trailers and things like that. And so I and my publisher, Blackstone, we just kind of decided, let's try a little non-traditional launch of a book and see if we can spread the brand. I know branding. I, I you know, and, and so it's like I want to create a brand with Scorpion. You know, there'll be a, more than one book. I, I just think that branding is where to go if you have interesting characters. Mm. This is fantastic. This is where I want to see every author go. (laughs) You know, I like that you have t-shirts, you know, even have t-shirts for dogs. And actually, it'll be heard here first. But, you know, there's a uh, there's a, a part of the book where there's a pig involved. 
And one of the things we are uh, creating that I'll be putting on social media shortly are bandanas for pigs that are branded with scorpion. (laughs) Every farm everywhere is going to need a bandana. (laughs) You know, again, you have to have fun with these things and do things that people will enjoy, you know? So since we're here and since the platform is to share tools and tips and stories with authors about building online presence, which you're being a fantastic model for, what is the big picture? What advice can you share for aspiring authors? The first thing I would say is keep writing. I mean, I know authors who write something, they get discouraged and they, they, they stop. If you're going to be a writer, write. I mean, it's in a way, it's your job as any other job, whether it's your full-time job or your part-time job, and you will get better at it the more you write. And the more you write, the more chance you'll have of somebody going, oh, I like that and want to publish it. So first thing I would say is, is write. Um, the second thing I would say is don't be discouraged because I don't know anyone, I'm sure there is someone, but I don't know anyone that hasn't had rejection, you know, had it something they've written, either somebody said something bad about or was rejected or, or whatever, or got bad reviews. Some of the greatest books had bad reviews when they came out. I, I just think it's important to ignore the bad and focus on the positive. I, I know a very, very successful author who said to her publicist, I don't even want to see the bad reviews. They're not going to do anything for my life. Just show me the positives. And so I think it's really important for writers not to get discouraged and slogged down from anything negative and believe in themselves and just keep moving forward and believe in what you're doing. You have a lifetime of wisdom to share here, and I just want to get into your bio a little bit and and give some of the background as to why your advice is so important, because you've written your entire life. This is just part of who you are as a creative individual. You mentioned publishing the sports newspaper, but when you were 15, you wrote a play, and then you started writing original rock and roll songs. And then in college, you were writing screenplays, and it it just goes on and on. In your 20s, you co-wrote a science fiction rock opera. I did. You know, so many things, magazines, uh, newspaper columns, articles, and and so much. And and the crossover from producing and uh, the music industry, like, there's so much wisdom for you to share here. Well... I, uh, I, I, I'm lucky. I've had a really enjoyable life. I go back to the word enjoyable again. And uh, fortunately, knock on something, I've been successful at a lot of it. So if I can, I want to tell you a short anecdote about the science fiction rock opera that I wrote. Please. Uh, it, uh, and it goes back to Don't Be Discouraged. The rock opera was was taken on by a man named Sid Bernstein, who was one of the great rock and roll empresarios. He, he brought the Beatles and the Stones to the United States. And he had Leonard Bernstein's producer produce a demonstration recording of it. Sid thought this was going to be huge. And Record companies decided it would be better as a play or a movie than as a recording. So it was like, oh, wow, that's a bit of a shock. So 
Sid brought it to a man named Robert Stigwood. And Robert Stigwood produced Hair and Jesus Christ Superstar and Saturday Night Fever. He managed the Bee Gees and Eric Clapton. He was a big deal. And Robert loved the rock opera, but said to Sid, I've got two rock operas I'm considering, and I can really only have the resources right now and the time to produce one of them. And unfortunately, it wasn't mine that he chose. The one that he chose was Evita. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Which is not exactly bad company to be in. Great company to be in. (laughs) But again, it goes back. You can't be discouraged. I mean, you know, you just keep forging on. I did a I did a venture in New York. The the building where the apple falls on New Year's Eve, um, there used to be a huge... uh, uh, floors wide and tall, uh, electronic digital sign there called Spectacolor. And I did a a licensing deal with Spectacolor and I called my company, Your Name and Lights in Broadway. And what I would do was people could wish somebody happy birthday or say, I love you or propose to them. And it would be up on that sign and uh, they could get t-shirts, photos of it, be there in person. It was an abject failure and disaster, and I lost every cent I invested in it. But, you know, it's like Wayne Gretzky said, if you don't shoot, you can't score. And that's the way I've always felt my whole life. And it's, it's important, I think, for people to realize you have to go and put yourself out there and take chances. If, if you don't, what's going to happen? And I like yours, too. It's like you say, you're never too old to chase the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. That's right. That's right. Well, I'll tell you one of the things you you were talking about social media earlier. You know, one of the things that I had to do was uh, I had to learn social media. You know, uh, the younger people today, it's like what they were born into and they take to it like a duck to water. It's not what I was born into. And so I really had to make it my business to learn it. And fortunately, with the assistance of people at the publishing company and my agents and others, uh, it, uh, the, the sum total of what we've all been able to do has brought in the Pinon Scorpion book some pretty good visibility. But boy, I had to apply myself. Yeah. And it's it's a good point that you make that it's a team that creates you know, the momentum that you get. I mean, you can create the story and you can build the characters and you can bring it all together, but there's definitely to get it out there and to share your voice. These social platforms are are where they're at. You know, this too, podcasting. I'm I'm guessing that you're currently in the middle and I just happen to be part of a wonderful podcasting book launch that you're doing by guesting. Uh, (laughs) And what a fabulous way to do it. Well, yeah, you're right about all of that. And yeah, it it is what today is about. You know, it is how you break books and it does take a village. You know, there are authors who self-publish and they do everything themselves. And some are very successful and some are not very successful. I personally like to be collegial and have a team working together. And I, I think that works the best. I like what other people bring and their ideas and their skill sets. 
Well, and and you can give that advice because your skill sets are just all encompassing. My gosh, I read the information about you. I was expecting background for an author or you know a business owner or what have you, and I way more. I, you know, publishing executive, former music industry executive, uh, Grammy nominated record producer. You know all these. I mean. You've definitely got such a wonderful background. Well, it, 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 it's, uh, it's brought me to where I am today. The sum total of, you know, who I am. It, it really started with my parents. My father read a book a night, literally come home from work, have dinner, and then sit down and read a book. Uh, and I, my mother was very literate and literature oriented. She she was a teacher. So I really had a foundation in arts and literature, which has served me very well. My mother was very musical. She sang on the radio. So they really impressed on me at an early age how important the arts were in life. Uh, you know, and I'm kind of dismayed that that there are um, school systems that are, you know, minimizing their music programs and literature programs and things like that. I, I think they're important to our society. So important. So important. I understand there's some family history here in Canada. Yes, there, there absolutely is. My parents lived in Toronto for almost 15 years. And my mother founded a school for uh, remedial students called the Blyweiss Institute that stayed open for, I would say, over a decade. And um, I've spent quite a bit of time in Toronto and Montreal and Vancouver. I love those cities. I love Canada. You know, I, I did work with Sarah McLaughlin and her management team, which were based in Vancouver. So I, I was up there quite a bit. And I just love the country. I really do. Beautiful. Yeah. Happy to have been born here. I'm lucky. Those are all port cities. Is there a story behind every port city that maybe you were in? There was a, a circus similar to Cirque du Soleil. They were based in Montreal, and I hired them for a circus that I threw for a music industry convention. And so I was up there at first to meet them. Toronto, I first went to when my parents moved up there and was there every year for at least 10 to 12 years, if not longer. And Vancouver, I I live in Oregon, so we're, we're fairly close to Vancouver. So I've been back and forth there many times, including when I did the work with Sarah McLaughlin's management company. So no, I had nothing to do with port, just had to do with great cities and, and things going on there. Well, if you ever make your way to Calgary... <laughs> I'd you got be happy it. Happy to buy you lunch. <laughs> and I would accept it, or maybe I'd buy it for you. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> well, now you're blending your love of the past with the twisty deliciousness of a whodunit. Yes. I love that. I love that. That's so fun to say. <laughs> That's so fun to say. Well, I've been a mystery fan my whole life. I, I, Started probably with the Hardy Boys. I don't know if you remember them or not, but that was probably the first series. And then I just consumed my whole life, every Sherlock Holmes, 
every Agatha Christie, both Miss Marple and Hercule Poirot, and I have no French accent, so excuse me for butchering that. And, and you know, Rex Stout, Nero Wolf, and you name it, Chester Himes. I just have always loved mysteries, right up, you know, to the present, Robert B. Parker and uh, Zephron's Shadow of the Wind and others. I just loved it. I read other genre as well, but I think mystery is my favorite. And I love the throwback classic mysteries. So one of the things I tried to do in writing Pinon Scorpion and the Barbershop Detectives was give people an escape back to the simpler times of 1910 England. We have a lot of stressors in our world today, and a lot of books compound that stress. Now, that doesn't mean they're bad books. It just means they compound the stress. I wanted to write something that was more, a little more fun, had a little more humor in it, and gave people a relief from the stresses of today's world. Yeah, I, I love this. 1910 England. What made you decide to write about England? I've been there a number of times in my life. In fact, I won a crossbow competition there at a castle. <laughs> I really liked the country, and I thought that since I since Holmes was English and Poirot ended up solving most of his cases in England and some of the others that I read were English, I just thought it was a great time. I love Downton Abbey as well. So the book is kind of set in the Downton Abbey era, same era. I just, it just came to me. That's how I write. I don't plot things out. I don't uh, do any kind of pre-story. I sit down at a computer and the story plays out in my head, and it's my job to type it out and capture what I'm seeing playing in my head like a movie. So it it was there. England 1910 was there. These characters were there. I didn't have their names in the beginning, but I had the whole thing there. Well, I, I love how it was explained that you love meeting the characters in your head and then transcribing them onto the page and capturing what you see in your brain for a potential reader. Yeah, yeah. The characters really do become an alternate universe for me. You know, they become a second set of friends in addition to my real life friends. And it, 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 I, I got to believe that that's an experience many writers share that they really don't want to, when they finish a book, they're, they're kind of sorry that they're leaving those friends behind. I agree. A good series will definitely leave you feeling that way. So why a barbershop? It just came to me. I wish I could give you a, uh, a, a great, you know, ooh, answer, but <laughs> it was just there that uh, he would have been friends when he came to the, the town. He would have been prior friends with the owner of the barbershop. And since he didn't really know the people on the police force that were under him, but he knew the barber, it was a more friendly and familiar environment to him. And he, the uh, barber, uh, Calvin Brown, who owned the shop in, in the second book, which I've just finished writing the case, the first case where Calvin and Scorpion solved it together is in the second book as a flashback to their prior town that they had been in together when Scorbin was constable. Okay. So I understand there's three separate crimes in the book. Yes, there are. One of them kind of weaves its way through the entire book, but there are three crimes that take place. And, and it's I wrote it that way because that's how real life happens. You know, when police inspectors 
don't have the luxury generally of here's one case, it's solved. Oh, here's another case, but they they kind of intertwine with each other and occur simultaneously. So the, the first case in the book, the first crime is a fortune seeker. The second one is a murder at a traveling circus that comes to town in Haxford, the town that, that this ta- action takes place in. And the third one is a crime of passion. I just like the fact that all of the different characters that come along bring something different to each of the crimes, yet the central core seven characters are there trying to solve all of them. My goodness. Well, and I understand that the the hidden objects game goes through these three crimes and the six scenes in the book. Yes, there are six levels to the game. And each one is a scene from the book, from various ones of the crimes. Many, if not all, of the objects you have to find are objects that are actually in the book. The game is free for the first four levels, but in order to unlock levels five and six, you have to either get buy the book or get it from a library or something because there's an unlock code that's in the book that unlocks the last two levels. Fantastic. Completely engaging and definitely bringing in this generation to the story. Now, the book itself being a crime mystery novel is probably more of a youth adult genre than a young adult genre or preteen. I would tend to agree, but it's interesting. This is something else that happened today. In addition to that wonderful Midwest book review, I do Pilates. And my Pilates teacher told me today that she had bought my book and she gave it to her 15-year-old son and he is captivated by it and can't stop reading it. And so that was pleasant because I never thought of it skewing that young because it is written. I I wrote it in a style of that era. It's, you know, it's got a a lot of older words in it and, and the style of writing. I tried to recapture that era. And so I didn't know if it would appeal to someone of that age, but it did. And boy, that was nice. Oh, fantastic. Well, we can find more of you on your website. And definitely your book is available through Blackstone Publishing on Amazon. And you have a YouTube channel. So we can definitely see chapters and verse is a video series. And there you have author interviews. I do. Uh, The whole uh, thinking behind my chapter and verse YouTube interviews are interviewing well-known best-selling authors and others from the uh, publishing industry, like major literary agents, as well as people from the movie and film industry, giving the stories behind their books, but also advice and tips to writers, to aspiring authors. Because I think the more information gets out there to aspiring authors, absolutely the better. I, I just think it's, it's an important thing, and that, that's why I do that. Well, we definitely have a shared mission there. I'm I'm thinking of repurposing the audio tracks to be a podcast. Let me help you if you need a hand. (laughs) I probably would, and I'd love that. I I would like to say one other thing, too, because you brought up Amazon. It is an Amazon editor's pick, and Barnes & Noble's doing well with it. But I must say, I am a huge, huge supporter of independent booksellers. Mm -hmm. I think they are important and critical 
to publishing, to readers, to, to literature. And on my, my website, there, I have an entire page which is devoted to giving the contact info for 1,300 independent booksellers across America, sorted by state, so that if people want to find out where they can go to an independent bookseller to find the book or to find any book, they can find them more easily. I just think it's critical that they remain open and healthy. Yeah, I understand. And you know what, let's make sure that that link gets shared in our show notes, so that anybody uh, looking for it can find it. Also want to share, uh, there's two press releases that have come out for you just recently, being that your book just launched and your second one is already on its way. It's good for you. <laughs> Definitely want to get uh, links to those two press releases out as well. Yes, great. I, I appreciate anybody that you know, comes to my site, rickblywise.com. If they want to sign up for my newsletter, they'll get inside info and they can find that page with the independent stores. And also they'll see information about a mystery anthology that I have a story in that's coming out in May called Hotel California. So you'll be able to get a sneak peek at that too. And there's already a song out for that one. <laughs> yes, there is. There <laughs> and I, that's somebody else's song, not mine. <laughs> but you know, we can pay people to use the songs nowadays. So, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> oh, thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate that you accepted being a guest of Online for Authors. It's a real treat to share people like you with the, the audience and the resources that you're bringing. Well, I, I appreciate your having me on. I, I mean, thank you. It, it's, it is truly people such as yourself that expose people to authors and to books. And I think you're serving an extremely important role in, in today's literature. So thank you. Oh my gosh. It's a sheer pleasure. Thank you, Rick. You're welcome. I may take you up on helping me with the podcast. Oh, absolutely. Please do. I would be honored to help you with that. Well, great. Thank you. Thank you very much for spending time with me today. You're welcome. You're most welcome. Hope you enjoyed this episode. To get notifications of new releases, subscribe. You can also like, follow, download, and share. If you've enjoyed this, your friends will too.